Hello and welcome along to this week's episode of the Total Facility Podcast, where we explore the minds of experts from all different walks of life. Our aim is to make your fertility journey just that little bit easier. I'm Ed Coates, a fertility specialist and co-founder of the website totalfertility.co.uk, where we connect you to all kinds of resources that will inform you, empower you and encourage you on your way to finding your fertility. I'm delighted this week to be joined by Ken Hodgson. Ken is a consultant obstetrician and maternal medicine specialist in Newcastle. He's also the head of the UK Teratology Information Service, which to you and I is a really important service that provides evidence-based information on fetal risk from exposure to medicines and other potential toxins. So throughout the pandemic, Ken has been pretty busy working closely with public health bodies. And more recently, he's been involved with developing the COVID-19 vaccination guidelines for women trying to conceive or who may already be pregnant. I certainly get asked about this every clinic I do by my patients um, in every consultation. And it's definitely a moving landscape. Um, So I do think the timing of this episode hopefully um, is right in terms of where we are in the pandemic. Around 40 million people have now been vaccinated. uh, But as the vaccination schedule is reaching into the younger age groups, fertility and pregnancy is such an important factor to consider. So I'm really looking forward to digging into the detail behind the current COVID-19 vaccination advice around pregnancy. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for inviting me, yes. It's so good. I know you're really busy. You've uh, obviously got a very busy NHS practice and you're, I'm sure you've you probably just finished an antenatal clinic, I think, today, you were saying to me before we got going. Um, it's been yeah. been busy for you in, throughout throughout the pandemic. Um, can we just kick off, because there's been many people listening to this who, who don't really know much about vaccines and may, may even be a little bit frightened by vaccination, particularly if they're trying to conceive or being pregnant. What What is a vaccine? I mean, how does it actually work in the body? Um, So a vaccine works by um, exposing your immune cells uh, in your blood um, to uh, what we say an antigen, which is a part of the, the, for example, for COVID, for a part of the COVID-19 structure. So for COVID-19, we we, uh, vaccinate against the spike protein, which is kind of a a sort of spike-like looking protein on the surface of the virus. And um, what vaccination does is uh, train your body basically to fight off um, the virus uh, by forming either antibodies which directly bind to the virus uh, and cause it not to, to infect you and, uh, and, uh, and causes it to be destroyed or by making your immune cells uh, active towards the virus um, in a very quick period of time. So before the virus actually takes hold in your body, your immune cells have already broken it down and got rid of it so that's how vaccination basically works okay that's really helpful to just know the absolute basics of it and the the vaccinations particularly the covid19 vaccinations which we're going to focus on in this episode are they live vaccines or are they not so um all of the covid vaccinations are are non-live vaccines um, there's there's two different ways that the covid19 vaccines may work so um, you may know that uh, there are two groups. So there's one group called the mRNA vaccines, and that's the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Uh, and they work by introducing this um, sort of signaling molecule into cells. Um, they are the vaccine, the, the signaling molecule is wrapped in this kind of uh, fatty 
what we say fatty nanoparticle it's a small particle and um unfortunately those those particles are quite susceptible to uh to being destroyed so that's why the vaccine has to be kept at minus 70 degrees and given almost immediately after it's been defrosted so those are the mrna vaccines and that's the pfizer or moderna type and then there's the other type of vaccine uh, the astrazeneca type of vaccine in which uh, a small part of dna um, which is the coding structure uh, for our cells is introduced into a, a chimpanzee virus, which is a, a, a non-replicating virus. So it can't, um, the, the virus is inactive. It can't replicate in the body. It can't cause infection itself. And the purpose of the virus is merely to, to, to present this small piece of DNA to your immune system. And for that then to, to create the spike protein and then for your immune system to, to, to get activated against it. So that's the AstraZeneca type of vaccine. Um, or the viral vector type of vaccines. Um, so there are two different vaccine technologies involved with um, the COVID-19 uh, vaccination program. It's really interesting how quickly the world has kind of come to, to tackle this problem. Uh, literally yeah. a year ago, we were were faced with the start of a pandemic and here we are with three different vaccines that, that are that are being used around the world and there are others too but these are the ones i understand that are licensed for use in the uk currently yeah um but there'll be people if we take a step back before even vaccination i mean there'll be, i mean you will have i'm sure had this question as an obstetrician throughout the last year i mean is it safe to try and conceive whilst all of this is going on before vaccination for example um so I think um, before vaccination, I think your, your question relates to whether COVID affects pregnancy, really, uh, and pregnant yeah. women. Yes. Um, so um, you might expect COVID to cause major problems in pregnancy, um, but actually we haven't really seen that. So unlike things like influenza, which do um, sort of target pregnant women and, and make them more unwell than non-pregnant women, um, COVID-19 hasn't really uh, had the same effect. Um, approximately 1% of, so most pregnant women who, who contract COVID um, will just have mild symptoms. So they might have loss of taste and smell, they might have sort of mild flu-like symptoms, and they will have the, the virus and recover from it. And that's the vast majority of patients. And that's in line with what we see um, in terms of age groups of people that get COVID. So the younger population tend not to be so badly affected by COVID compared to the elderly population, let's say. Um, approximately 1% of women will get um, uh, severe COVID and will require hospital admission. And of those, about 30% of them require uh, supplemental oxygen. 10% um, of those that are admitted with severe COVID will require intensive care and ventilation. And sadly, approximately 1% of uh, those admitted will, will die from COVID. So although COVID um, isn't actually as sort of a serious condition uh, if you look at it in terms of other conditions that affect pregnant women. Um, it's certainly that the scale of COVID and, and the fact that approximately 1% of um, pregnant women will be admitted with COVID at, and 10% of those admitted will be having you know, severe COVID that requires intensive care. Um, that's a, a disproportionate amount compared to uh, the same amount of exposure to in, in women who are not pregnant for example um it still represents a risk and so that's why we think it's important that covid uh, that patients are immunized for covid 
Yes, I mean, it's not something that has no risk. And presumably there are certain risk factors perhaps in in, in a patient's background and their clinical history, which may yeah. influence how your body responds to COVID-19 if you were to contract it. Yeah, certainly. So uh, patients who are more at risk of COVID uh, are more likely to be the, the more older uh, pregnant woman. So a woman in over the age of 35, for example, uh, a woman with a BMI above 40, so obese pregnant women, um, and actually women from black and ethnic Asian um, communities um, are five times more likely to have serious COVID and be admitted with COVID than those from, from white communities. And, and that is a very interesting uh, and um, uh, important observation, actually, because it means that we do need to target these specific groups in terms of vaccination programs yeah that's correct i mean from the bame communities it must be um quite important that we we get that message through and and i mean that's why i think it's so valuable we're talking about this in fact um i mean many people spend their whole time being told not to take anything during pregnancy and i mean that's why Mm -hmm. you've got the job that you have i mean you lead the uk teratology service which is which spends an enormous amount of time looking at the evidence behind medicines and toxins affecting unborn children uh, in pregnancy it must have been a really busy last 12 months for you with uh, with all of the data that, that you've been having to absorb and, and it's changing all the time. Is that right? That's correct. So, yeah, we do advise about medication use in pregnancy and, and looking at evidence uh, and the difficulty that we have with COVID, of course, and the COVID vaccination in particular is that there isn't really much evidence to go on. So. Um, the trials that that, that um, looked at the COVID-19 vaccination trials did not include pregnant women. Pregnant women were excluded from those trials. Of course, a few of the women who were included in the trial did fall pregnant during the trial. So we have a small amount of safety outcome data from around about 30 patients. But in terms of um, large scale data, um, we, we, we just haven't had that. And um, we've had to base our advice on you know what we know about non-live vaccines, so almost you know, all non-live vaccines, uh, bar none, uh, are safe to give in pregnancy, and we have quite an extensive experience of uh, whooping cough, for example, and influenza vaccination, which are non-live vaccines like the COVID nineteen vaccine. Um, and we don't think that there's anything particular about the COVID nineteen vaccine that makes us uh, worry about its use in pregnancy. Um, there's been more information recently coming through from the states. So um, the states um, have vaccinated uh, almost over 100,000 pregnant women now, uh, mainly with the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Um, and we have outcome data from there and no worrying safety signals that the vaccines are unsafe at all. Well, that's really, really big numbers as well, isn't it? So that's a huge number of patients to have been, had the vaccine and not have had yeah. complications. I, I would say there's a bit of caution in that, those figures. So those those figures are sort of um, bandied around quite a lot in terms of 90,000 women have been vaccinated in the States. Um, yes, uh, the, the, they have done that, but they, the, the vaccine, the way they're collecting the data is for, for people that have got problems to report the data. Uh, and so although 90,000 unless you actually actively go out and look to make sure that the babies are okay and that the pregnancies ended well, etc. Um, that 90,000 figure is based on people reporting problems 
Um, and uh, we know that people don't necessarily report problems very accurately. So mm-hmm. although it, it seems reassuring, in actual fact, the, the absolute numbers of pregnant women that we've got good data on in terms of follow-up data and, and followed the babies up is only around about 800. But still, that's better than having no data. And there is no concern about the 800 women who have completed their pregnancy in terms of outcome. And um, you touched on um, the fact that, you know, we talk, we give people the flu vaccine during pregnancy. Um, yeah. If they, they require it, we certainly advise it. How, how's this different in terms of um, what we're doing here? We, obviously, there's a lot of data uh, and much more um, history behind many, many years of vaccinating people with flu vaccine, which is obviously different. But, mm-hmm. but th- there are three vaccines that we can currently have in the UK. Um, what would you, what's the current advice around those three different vaccines for people um, trying to conceive, um, I guess, first of all, if you could look at that, and then also people that may already be pregnant? Um, okay, so um, so dealing with the, the sort of question, I guess, um, from the perspective of someone trying to get pregnant, um, uh, the, the current advice, so uh, there is another issue uh, with the vaccines, and that's with the AstraZeneca vaccine and the viral uh, the so-called viral vector vaccine. So that's AstraZeneca vaccine in the UK and AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson vaccine in the States. Um, and the issue is with blood clots and, and this very rare condition where you can have this blood clotting disorder in association with low platelets um, that seems to be happening at, at random to people um, given the vaccination. However, it seems to be more preferential to, to younger patients. So patients in their 20s and 30s are more prone to getting this uh, complication with blood clots from these viral vector vaccines. Mm. Um, and so the advice in the UK currently from the Joint uh, Committee on Vaccinations and Immunizations is that um, we should be um, offering patients under the age of 40 uh, the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine and because of this very small but slightly increased risk of blood clots Um, with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So currently patients under the age of 40 would be offered Pfizer or Moderna and patients kind of on the age of 40 uh, and 40 and above would would have a discussion in the vaccination hub with regard to which vaccine they may want to choose to have. Um, So I think given that the majority of patients who are pregnant or or wishing to get pregnant uh, uh, are sometimes above 40, but the majority, I guess, are below 40, um, then almost certainly they would be offered the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. And um, there is evidence that these vaccines are safe for patients considering getting pregnant. um, And indeed, they're safe given during pregnancy as well. And going back to the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, when it started, obviously started, we think, in Wuhan and then came... uh, globally around the world do we have any kind of long-term data on people born um from maybe who possibly conceived in the very early days of the pandemic um in wuhan in terms of people that contracted covid who were pregnant at the time and then uh, so their unborn child would have been obviously in the womb is there yeah. any data on on on, on, on the, the effect of covid i guess first of all on the unborn child or yeah. indeed now vaccination yet so um so 
COVID doesn't particularly affect the baby, um, and we know this. Um, there, there, there isn't, um, it doesn't cause congenital malformations, for example, unlike Zika virus. Um, it doesn't even seem to cross the placenta very easily and infect the baby. Um, so the, the sort of, tram, what we say, the transplacental or the cross-placental infection rate of COVID, so women who contract COVID during pregnancy, is very low. So it's around about 2% of babies born to mothers with COVID um, will, will have be positive for COVID. So there doesn't seem to be much transfer from mother to baby. And that's a good thing. Um, even babies that then subsequently get infected with COVID are very unlikely to be unwell with it. So the, the COVID is a disease primarily that affects older people much more than younger people. Uh, and neonates being at the very beginning of their lives seem not to be too badly affected by uh, COVID infection. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of the question. And, and just wondering, really, obviously, with vaccination now, is yeah. it too early, really, to have any outcome data on patients that have been vaccinated in terms of um, the likelihood of having problems um, from that? Well, we have um, information, as I, as I said, from the states on around about seven yeah. to eight hundred um, pregnant women, um, and they've compared it to women who are. Uh, who haven't been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, and they've looked at things like whether the babies are small, whether they have growth problems, and there doesn't seem to be any increased risk. And there doesn't seem to be any increased risk of things like stillbirth. Um, the data that we have involves mainly patients vaccinated in the, th the end of the pregnancy in the third trimester. So you do have to bear that in mind, um, because if, if the vaccination were to cause a problem uh, in terms of baby's development, then we would be more interested in knowing about vaccination in the first trimester when babies are very susceptible to drugs and vaccines and other um, sort of chemical exposures. So the majority of the data actually comes from women vaccinated quite late. It seems that women, if you're vaccinated in the second or third trimester, the baby seems to be absolutely fine. Um, we don't have enough data yet, I don't think, about vaccination in the first trimester, but we, we don't anticipate that it will be a problem because, as I said, um, vaccination is a, a non-live vaccine and other non-live vaccines given in pregnancy have all proven to be safe in pregnancy. So there doesn't seem to be any safety signals as yet, but um, we, we are waiting for more data to come through. That's really encouraging news. And I mean, a lot of the people listening to this will be potentially, uh, as we're a fertility podcast, will be people who are either trying to conceive or perhaps going through fertility treatments. Um, there's, uh, as you say, the data is quite sparse to be able to give exact, but the, the general feeling is that uh, that overall when we do have all that data it's going to looking back retrospectively be be pretty positive we feel um, and so the current advice if I'm hearing correctly is is if you are trying to conceive or or going through fertility treatments not to hold uh or put yes. a pause uh, and, and get 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 going with the vaccination if you're offered it is that is that yeah. right that's correct, yeah. There's been a lot of rumours and misinformation about the vaccine and fertility, uh, and I don't know if you want me to touch on that, but um, there was a, 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 Facebook, um, a Facebook post that got widely spread via social media channels about um, uh, the vaccination uh, causing infertility. Um, it, this, this is based on the fact that uh, the vaccine has... Some, some, some sort of similarities with a placental protein called syncytin-1, uh, and that if you get vaccinated, then you might have antibodies towards the syncytin-1, uh, and therefore the placenta might not develop and cause infertility. But this has not been shown to be true. 
Um, uh, there is absolutely no evidence that the vaccination causes antibodies to syncytin 1. And um, furthermore, women who've been vaccinated are, are becoming pregnant just at the same rate as uh, as the normal population. So, mm. you know, this is complete misinformation and, and kind of false news. But it did have massive impacts in terms of its effect on pregnant on women trying to conceive and uh, and um, and, and certainly this has been something that we've been trying to to, to fend off. Yeah, because of course the uptake of the vaccine will depend on exactly these sorts of social media channels and things that people do engage with. It's one of the reasons we want to try and present really kind of clear clear resources like like this to to patients so they know that the facts are coming from the right place um that's, that's right and what's not presented is the benefits of vaccination of course in all of these social media campaigns right um, you know um, you know the, the dangers of of having covid and the dangers of passing covid on to your loved ones etc mm. um is it, never sort of featured uh, and it's a very biased kind of uh, opinion I mean, we yeah. I mean, we had a question last week actually from one of our listeners asking us if um, if by having intercourse with one of their uh, with a partner who'd who'd been vaccinated, could they catch COVID themselves? I mean, these sorts <laughs> of things are sort of simple questions. They might seem obvious, but yeah, but but that's obviously but, um, completely untrue. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, the vaccine I have to stress is is not live, so yeah. you don't get COVID from the vaccine. Of you, course, you stimulate your immune system to to be alert to COVID, but you don't actually get COVID. And so you can't get COVID from having sex with someone who's been vaccinated. And can we just, uh, talk, I mean, you talked a little bit about it already in terms of the evidence that you do have, but miscarriage um, is, it, or even going further on in pregnancy and stillbirth, there, there hasn't been any data yet that's suggested that this is increased because of being vaccinated. No, so the, the, the miscarriage rate reported in the US series is similar to the background miscarriage rate of around 15 to 20%. So... Um, there isn't an increased risk of miscarriage with the vaccination that we've seen so far. Um, you have to interpret those figures with slight caution because, as I said before, the vast majority of patients in the series were vaccinated in the third trimester. And so um, obviously you, you don't miscarry at that gestation. So um, if you're really interested in miscarriage, you, you want to be just looking really at the, the first trimester exposures, of which there weren't that many. Mm -hmm. But um, from the surface you know, looking at the data, um, just just overview of the data, there doesn't seem to be a sort of signal or any alarm bells ringing that this this might be associated with miscarriage. No, well, that's really good. And I mean, a pa patient asked me just last week. In fact, um, they'd, they'd actually already had the AstraZeneca vaccine, yeah. and yeah. they were about to have. Um, they were literally coming up to their embryo transfer in their IVF cycle, and they were asking me, yeah. "What happens if this works?" And then in ten weeks' time, I need another vaccine. Do I have the Oxford one? What happens? Can you answer that one? Is that an easy one? Yeah, so we would recommend that they have the AstraZeneca one again. Okay. Um, there isn't actually any evidence that AstraZeneca is harmful or dangerous or, or any concerns really about the AstraZeneca virus uh, uh, vaccine in pregnancy. The only thing is that we just uh, we have much more data now on the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and that's what's driven the kind of um, recommendation that women who are pregnant or are conceiving um, have Pfizer or Moderna. But if you've already had AstraZeneca, there isn't an, a good reason why you couldn't have a, a second dose of AstraZeneca. And the recommendations are that you do. Um, and, um, and yeah, there isn't any sort of 
sort of risk really from from doing that and have we got lots of trials going on in the uk at the moment which i mean because there's lots of patients who obviously appreciate particularly in the fertility world how how evidence is really only available because people do engage with these types of trials are there any sort of trials going on at the moment around covid19 and pregnancy um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the UK um, Obstetric Surveillance Survey have gathered a lot of data about women who uh, who have been pregnant across the pandemic period and, and looking at outcomes from the babies. Um, so there's, there's all that, that kind of evidence coming through. Um, there's also a, a randomised controlled trial uh, run by Pfizer who are testing their Pfizer vaccine in pregnant women. Um, there's been a lot of talk about whether that trial can actually go ahead now that pregnant women are, are being offered the vaccine routinely as part of the national program. Um, but the trial is specifically interested in how the immune system reacts in pregnancy and how how the vaccine works basically in pregnancy. Uh, and so the trial is still going ahead. Um, however, it may well be quite tricky to deliver, particularly as um, the national vaccine program uh, rolls out and women are obviously offered the vaccine at a younger and younger age. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, what I'm hearing from you, sort of key, key, key points are that if you're trying to conceive or going through fertility treatments, you shouldn't really avoid vaccination. Um, and there's no real major contraindications out there to it. Uh, we think it's fairly safe. There isn't all the evidence in yet, but certainly we don't think vaccination is going to affect your fertility. And it's the benefits outweigh the risks, certainly in the vast majority of people. Correct, yeah. And particularly if you're in an at-risk group. So yeah. if you have underlying medical problems, if you have diabetes, if you're overweight, um, if you're a black or Asian uh, ethnic minority group, then um, then you're more at risk of getting severe COVID and benefit more from vaccination. So in particular, those groups of women who are either pregnant or considering getting pregnant, I would strongly advise get vaccinated. And obviously, um, as I say to a lot of patients, this is something that is changing all the time. We do see as more data comes through, we may learn more uh, from different trials that are coming through and data sets as they get get published. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of media around that. Um, where, I mean, obviously, we'll include all of this in the show notes for anyone listening. But what, what sort of can you direct any of our listeners to places to keep an eye on to get really up to date? you know because you yeah. talked there about the myths and social media and it's not the maybe the best place to get all your facts is it but where can patients sort of look at and where's a good place to to begin your search for for the up-to-date and latest information so i would strongly recommend the um royal college of obstetricians and gynecologists website um that has information resources videos um information sheets um for both patients and healthcare professionals um, my own organisation, the UK Teratology Information Service, has uh, BUMPS, which is the best use of medicines in pregnancy, um, information for women um, designed for patients, uh, and we have a, a fact sheet on the COVID-19 vaccinations. Um, and the other place that patients can go is the British Fertility Society uh, website. That's fantastic, Ken. Thank you so much for giving up some time today just to talk to talk us through that. So you've made it all sound so easy and simple. What's a really complex subject? Um, and uh, and it's just really good to hear it from someone who's um, you know heading up the teratology service because it's obviously fact based and um, and driven and you've driven the policies and uh, and a lot of the things that we we're obviously using today. So thank you so much for all your time. Um, it's been good chatting to you. Um, thank, thank you very much. Thanks for your time on the podcast. Great.
Well, hopefully that has been a really useful look at what the COVID-19 vaccination will mean for you. If you're trying to conceive or perhaps are already pregnant, there's, there's so much information there. So do listen again if you didn't catch it all. We will, of course, link to all the important resources that Dr. Ken Hodgson gave us there in our show notes. So have a look there if you want to get uh, more up to date or read in more detail. Uh, about COVID-19 vaccination. It's such a moving landscape uh, and as the trials report their data and we find out more about the impact of COVID-19 and vaccination, uh, we're going to discover more about fertility and pregnancy too. Um, I think the takeaway there though was to absolutely have your vaccine if you're offered it, uh, particularly if you're in an at-risk community um, as the benefits do seem to outweigh the risks. So next time, we are going to be talking to someone really special who has spent most of her life supporting and guiding people struggling with their fertility. Uh, As a friend said to me just recently, fertility is not something you can just forget about. You can't switch it on and off at demand. It's all-consuming all of the time. And for so many, um, that just makes it mentally draining. Uh, And we're going to be chatting to someone on the next episode who's been through several rounds of IVF herself as a patient, um, but has been a fertility nurse as well for over 25 years. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast today. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to find out more information about your fertility, then do take a look at our pages on totalfertility.co.uk. In the meantime, stay safe uh, and get a vaccination if you're offered it. Keep an eye on the links in the show notes and you'll always be up to date with regards COVID-19 vaccination. Just remains for me to say thanks to Ken Hodgson for speaking to us and we'll see you next time.